You are now listening to the Superhero Education Podcast, featuring Professor Eugene Pitchford and Dr. Steve Gurner. We are real educators tackling the real topics in education. Listen to be informed, inspired, and entertained. With no further ado, here are your hosts to the Superhero Educators Podcast. All right, we want to welcome everyone to the Superhero Education Podcast. My name is Eugene. Got Steve on the other end. Steve, how you doing? I'm doing well. Good to see you. Good to hear you. Hey, Steve, we got a special guest in the house today. We really got an exciting topic today. Like we got we got a topic most educational circles don't 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 cover. But I want to introduce to you, Steve, and to our listeners out here. I want to introduce Ms. Hall to you. And let me tell you a little bit about Ms. Hall. And then she's going to introduce herself and however she want to do it. But Steve, we have, um, you know, we talk about, we, we've talked about before, Steve, at times, newer teachers sometimes don't get the credit that they deserve because yes. of like this gatekeeping stuff with with like older teachers, right? And so sometimes you have these talented people that they don't realize how talented they are or or they don't get a chance to be great. Well, Steve, I, I'm like I, I want to present to you Miss Hall. She's one of the best new educators that I've seen in a while. Wow. Like that's excellent. Like came in, take care of business, uh, the right energy. Students' response to her is just amazing, and it, you know it catches my attention. But but watching Miss Hall, and we have another new we have another new teacher, Miss Parks, who who hopefully she can come come chime in, or if not, we may have to do another session with just her. But we've had teachers, Steve, who have started after the school year. We often talk about new teachers, training for new teachers, teacher prep, all this stuff for new teachers. But the a conversation, and especially since COVID, that you don't hear much is, what's the story of the teacher that comes in October, November, December? Yeah. You don't hear much about that. Very and tough. So, so we're going we're gonna to break this all down on like the, like the path and the path and the pathways and just what it takes to be successful as a teacher who starts after everyone else. So I said all that to say, we got Ms. Hall on the show today and we want to allow her to introduce herself to us, to you, Steve, and to the listeners. All right. <laughs> um, my name is Ms. Hall or I go by Amari. Okay. Um, I am born and raised in Milwaukee I am young and I just got into education. Um, I graduated from the University of Wisconsin-Whitewater in 2020 at the height of the pandemic. So I didn't have a graduation, but that's okay. Um, I studied biology and sociology and now I teach algebra. So that is just the beginning of my journey of being a teacher. Um, it was an interesting journey, and I'm sure we'll dig more into that through this entire podcast. So, so Miss Hall, you you left out something. <laughs> talked about your new teacher. You talked about your graduation in the pandemic. 
But there's this really great high school that you did not mention. So, yeah. so, I, so you you gotta you you gotta talk about that for a minute. Um, I went to Rufus King International Baccalaureate High School in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and I graduated in 2016 uh, as a full IB scholar. I went into college with 13 credits as a result of my IB exams. So by my second semester freshman year, I was technically a sophomore by credit. Hmm. Um, hey, that's crazy. And I... I stayed my entire four years because I didn't want to rush it. Um, and I changed my major a couple of times as well. But shout out to Keith. Yeah, that's a great advantage. Just a little side note there. How how what percentage of the high schools, what percentage of the students can be in part of the in the IB program and graduate like you did? That has to be a small percentage, I would imagine, or you feel that's like a lot of the students really desire that and go for it. Um, it's a small percentage. I would say everybody has the opportunity to do it, um, but only a few actually select to go full IB or maybe they had like a few IB courses, but I was somebody that was full IB. So I had all college courses basically. Um, so the rigor in the education was something that I had to kind of adjust myself to. So it kind of really helped me especially going into college, um, you know, and being in a rigorous environment, I appreciate it. It was fun for me. Yeah, good for you. You, you said you changed your major a couple of times in college. Like, I'm just curious, like, what were those majors? I started off, um, I went into college as a biology major. I had the goal of being an optometrist um, because I wanted to help people see. And then as I continued through my um, biology degree, it was really my sophomore year where I was just like, I don't want to do this anymore. But the influences of mentors and parents and friends and everybody, they're like, no, just keep going. Like, especially being a Black woman in STEM, um, they were like, yo, like you're, you know, the 1% of women that is in STEM, go, you know? And um, biology was just something that lost me. At first, it was interesting. You know, it was something that I was I was really having fun learning. Um, but once I kind of lost the passion for optometry, I just was like, yeah, I want to go away. Also, I didn't want to take physics or um, organic chemistry. So <laughs> sure. um, I changed my major to science and business. Um, cause I wanted to kind of go over into the business world. I really kind of wanted to tackle the entrepreneurship realm of the world. So I wanted to find a way that I could integrate my science with that. Um, I changed it to that for all of one semester. Um, so I took, you know, epidemiology and I took public health and I took courses like that. Um, but I ended up just going back and being a bio major and I was just there for a while, but I got to the very end of my junior year. So right before we went to summer and I changed my major to sociology, um, I was going into my senior year. And if I were to stay a biology major, I wouldn't have graduated 
until either that December or the following May. And I'll be honest, I was done with college. So I was like, I have to get out of here. Um, so I kind of found sociology and then I made biology my minor because I had already pretty much completed that entire degree. It was just a couple more credits um, for it to be the entire bachelor. So I made bio my minor and then I made sociology my major. I took six credits over the summer and then I did 15 and 15 and I graduated. Um, yeah, that was my journey. Sociology was fun though. And then where did the teaching come in? Did you practice teach or that, or you got hired at the school? Teaching was something that I kind of just went out on a whim. And I told my dad before I went and met everybody at the high school that I currently teach at. Um, I told him, I said, yeah, dad, I'm about to go get a job. And he was like, okay, you know, cool. Um, I went and I ended up running into some people that kind of put me in a position to talk to the principal. Um, when I talked to the principal, we had an individual conversation. That conversation led to a panel interview, and here I am. That's a crazy story. Wait, wait. So, wait. wait. So, 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 listeners out there, so there, there are a number of things here. Um, there's a lot of good timing. Sometimes it's who you know. Sometimes it's being prepared. But you literally said on a whim, I'm going to teach. Like, like what part of the story did you leave out? Uh, I was an entrepreneur for about a year and a half. Uh, well, I was an entrepreneur and then I worked in sales. I was working in tech sales prior to me working in education. Um, working in tech sales is all fun and dandy. Um, I was working from home. I was traveling. I was doing a, a bunch of things, but I honestly got bored with it. Um, and I got tired of waking up and just going to work, waking up, go to work and wake up and come to my desk. That's right next to my bed. I wanted to go interact with some people because um, <laughs> I kind of felt like I was losing that social part of being at work. Um, so with me being a teacher, um, education has been something that's been in my family since before I was born. My dad taught. Um, he worked in education in so many different ways. He was the dean of students. He was the security. He was the teacher. He was the music teacher. He was, you know, all of these things. My mom also worked in education. She still does. She works um, as a secretary at an MPS school. My dad now works with a wraparound program. So he's still working with students, but not necessarily in a school. So I kind of feel like I was destined to be in this education realm at some point in my life. And so many people had told me like, oh, you should go be a teacher. You should go be a teacher. And I just was like, oh, absolutely not. Not me. <laughs> not for me, but look at me now. And now I love my kids. So we're with Miss Hall. We're talking Milwaukee Public Schools. So no, no formal training, no student teaching, no practice teaching, nothing in your talk. And Eugene's saying you're hitting it out of the park, home run. So it makes me think with the teacher shortage. Oh, I know where you're going with this. We need to think innovative. We need to think creatively and, and really recruit teachers. And if we're saying you can do it, 
there may not be a need for the university role, like the traditional teacher role then of higher ed, where we're going four years and practice teaching, clinical experiences, student teaching. You're saying you can hit it out of the park with without that formal training. That would be a whole new recruitment than finding people like yourself that aren't in te teacher ed, but... Uh, would you say it's not necessary then? Like you're an example, then would you encourage others? You don't need to do that traditional teacher route. Yeah, I um, want to hear this answer. I don't think you need to do the traditional uh, teacher route. I feel like, I mean, my route, I went science first. I went science and I did graduate with my four-year bachelor. Um, I had a ball in college, but um, when it comes down to a teacher, I feel like what I really appreciate about Rufus King. I don't know how everybody had their credentials and whatnot, but all of my teachers were real. Um, and I feel like when I say that a person is real, this is somebody that I could talk to. This is somebody that I know actually cares about me, regardless of how, how they feel, or this is a person that can come in and be transparent and say, you know what, I'll be honest, I really haven't seen this material since I was in high school, but we're going to learn together. And I think that's a piece that a lot of students, especially in this day and age, especially with technology and TikTok and everything, telling you, oh, you should be doing this. Oh, you should be a millionaire. Oh, you should be this. Or this is a lifestyle that you should um live having a real teacher that's young that's fun that's up to date with everything you're doing is something that I feel like students need at this point in time so Rufus King is a high school in in Milwaukee Wisconsin um the, wait, wait the Rufus King <laughs> you're giving it that i i have i have some concerns for different podcasts some concerns um uh i just made eugene mad now and i think and miss hall mad with that comment but yeah yeah i'm mad i, yeah, miss I got hall, concerns it's okay to be mad everybody's um, entitled to their opinion <laughs> Here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I might, I might want to explore a little bit more. Yeah. The teachers, you're saying, be real, be transparent. They care about you. You're obviously in. You're probably pretty independent as a learner. I'd imagine your things come quickly to you. You're pretty independent as a learner. You want to, you want to continue to grow. Yes. You're probably a good reader. Your parents probably supported education. Okay. Were you in a were you in the IB program where you'd have certain classes just with the IB program? Yes. So the IB program um is almost like AP. It's it's very similar, um, yet different. So all of my classes just said like IB psychology or sure. IB algebra or you know something like that. So maybe that works for Amari and all those smart students out there who are lifelong learners, their parents support learning. Mm -hmm. Would that work? That type of teacher work with 90% of the other students that go, I could care less about school, motivate me, inspire me, make me do it. I'm not going to do it. And I really don't care. 
what you say. How about those students? Is it still the real teacher, the transparent teacher, the ones that care about you? Yes. Or is there different characteristics if we don't have the lifelong learner smart or Mari in the classroom? Um, I think that, I mean, I've actually had a student tell me this, like, I'm just not motivated. Or I had another student tell me, like, um, my other teacher knows that I come in here and I just, I don't do anything. I think school is pointless. You know, I've heard these types of things. So now it's like, yes, I can, I can force you to do an assignment. And I'm, you know, I could be that teacher that's like, oh, no, you need to be sitting here doing this and that. I could absolutely do that. But what if I actually just sit down and have a real conversation with you? Let's talk about why you feel that way. Why do you feel like school is pointless or why are you lacking motivation? Um, and when you sit down and you have those types of conversations, you realize that they have families that they come from that when they come to school, that's the only piece that they get. Or when they come to school, that's the only time they can actually just be free or not have to have too many responsibilities outside of going to class. Or they have people that support them and want to see them win. Now, what I'm working on, and I'll be transparent, is just getting the, the gap filled, trying to bridge the gap of, okay, we've had this conversation. Okay, you know my expectations. You have expectations for yourself. Now let's live up to those expectations. Let's actually turn in the assignment, okay? Because I know that you're capable of it. If I walk through it with you one-on-one, -on -one, you're able to tell me how you got to X equals three, for example. But it's just a matter of them like taking the initiative to show it. And some of them, it's a struggle. It is, especially when you've been told that you're not capable. Mm. Or you've been told, oh, no, you're, you'll you never be anything. So it's hard to kind of switch that mindset. So that's what I've been working with. Wow. I, I want to I go back to just the transition from going from one field of work to another. Yeah. Okay, so having the desire. Well, let me, let me backtrack. I don't know if you know this or not, but I was not an education major also. I don't know if I ever told you that. I was a uh I was a mass comm major. Okay. And the only reason why I got into education, initial well, the only reason why I got into education is I couldn't find a job in my field. Gotcha. And so that some that fall, there was a um a, a spot that I saw in the um in the job search where you just needed 60 credits. I'm like, okay, well, I got that. I graduated already. It's a teacher's assistant. Mm -hmm. So that was my launch into education. So it was almost more of a necessity. And I really wasn't sure if my skill set would transfer over to education. Right. Like, like, when did you know, or when, how and when did you know your skills would transfer over to education? Well, when I think about what I did in college, um, I so me personally, I started off as a Stein Scholar and I still hold that dear to my heart. Um, Stein Scholar through the Boys and Girls Club of Greater Milwaukee. I was cohort of 2016. Um, they were a college access and success program. Um, the Boys and Girls Club still has different programs like the BMO Scholars or they have the Sponsor Scholar. 
so on and so forth. So I was a part of that. Um, but that put me in a position to be a part of the King Chavez program on the University of Wisconsin-Whitewater's campus. Um, with that, I was introduced to the campus. I was introduced to all of the um, all of the big wigs, I guess you can call it, um, on the campus grounds. And I was able to kind of just find my way, navigate, um, get introduced to new students. Um, I was a part of the Black Student Union. And that was all my freshman year. And then I was also a part of Hawk Squad, which was the new student orientation squad. That's what I call it. So um, once I started getting involved, I was a part of the Black Student Union and I eventually became the president of the Black Student Union. Um, so being the president of an organization on a campus that is predominantly white, um, that focuses on minorities and underrepresented students, it was definitely a struggle, but it was something that um, was fun and I was able to learn in my leadership role. Outside of that, I was a new student orientation leader. So I was the first person that you pretty much seen when you came on campus. Um, when I came on campus, I really said, I want to be that person up there because I want to see somebody that looks like me up there. Okay. Um, outside of that, the King Chavez program, I was a scholar of the King Chavez program my freshman year and then my junior year, I believe. I believe yeah, it was my junior year. Um, I was the undergraduate coordinator for an entire scholarship program. So I had my own office on campus. I had to put together a orientation week and that really required me to one, be humble and ask questions but also to kind of be a boss. Um, I had to hire peer mentors and I had to talk to all of the different administrators on the campus and get them to come talk to our new students. And that was over 40 students that I took care of. So when I was taking care of these 40 students, I had to one, build a relationship with them and let them know that you're gonna be okay on Whitewater's campus. Um, but also kind of just show them the ropes. Hey, this is the WCC. This is the UC. This is where you go if you need help, you know, so on and so forth. So I feel like in those in those positions, I was pretty much being an educator. I was being a teacher. I just didn't have the title. I just was the I was the president of BSU or I was the undergrad coordinator of King Chavez. But um like I said before, I mean, people had always said like, oh, you should go into education. You should you should do this. You should do that. But I really feel like I had to see it for myself, especially coming right out of um, undergrad during the pandemic when everything was pretty much shut down. So <laughs> um, I went into tech because tech was online. And I was able to still travel, you know, of course, wearing my mask and taking the proper, you know, steps that I needed. But um, being in tech, it was fun while it lasted. So, Mari, how do you get, there's a teacher shortage, we all know there's there's a lot of teacher openings across our country. It's a, it's a hot topic right now. How, how do we get more teachers in classrooms, especially our city classrooms? Great question. I think it's a lot about word of mouth, um, because I'll be honest, it, if it wasn't for my friend, whose name I won't mention, 
Um, if it wasn't for them just being like, hey, we need teachers at the school that I'm about to teach at. Um, <laughs> um, I think you should consider applying. You're somebody that could be a, a great teacher. Um, having that push from your peers can actually put you in a, a great position. So so when you say word of mouth and peers, you're, you're, uh, people know there's a teacher shortage, but you're saying going right up to that person, that relationship and saying, I know you, Amari, would be good, a good teacher. So that is that what you're saying, actually? Yeah. And sometimes I know like having those conversations, you might hear it all the time, but it'll take that one person that tells you and you're like, you know what? This is the fourth person that has told me I need to be an educator. So I'm you know what? I'm going to apply. At least I'll apply. The worst they could say is no. And then I just go get a different job. Eugene's probably the best natural recruiter that I know of in education. Eugene recruits, recruits, and recruits, and that's a gift he has. And I think that's interesting that you said that because that's, so we need to keep it. You can't say too much about the person then and, and recruit too much. You have to keep going at it and, and multiple people. That's good to know. Absolutely. You got to keep talking about it. So, so right before you landed in our organization, mm -hmm when you think of the concept of you being a teacher, was it always like, was it in your head? Like if this is going to happen, it's only going to be in high school. Yes. Like, like, like in my mind, I had elementary in my head mm. and what I got was middle school. Mm. <laughs> no. Um, I, I knew that I wanted to work with high schoolers um, from the beginning. I said, if I ever do go into education i'm working with high schoolers um i love the babies but i can't do the babies all day like crying and snot nose i just can't do it the middle schoolers um i have nieces that are middle schoolers nieces and nephews right now that are middle schoolers and they're a bit sassy um <laughs> they're a bit sassy something that i don't think that i can deal with personally but high schoolers um, it's a, it's just a different way that you're able to talk to them and get through to them. Um, but also I think it kind of goes back to me working with that scholarship program. Um, and I was working with people right out of high school. So, uh, how many siblings do you have, Amari? I have two big sisters and one big brother. Okay. You, so you're, you're the baby, the family. I am the baby. Okay. I was wondering if birth order or something would matter of, of high school and your, but it's probably your scholar program. You're talking about that experience. Yeah. Hmm. So go ahead. No, go ahead, Steve. You mentioned, you mentioned uh, a couple of times you mentioned young or youth or being, you know, maybe making a connection. Mm -hmm. uh, tell, tell me more about that. Why do you feel uh, uh, you have an advantage of being young? Is that, what you're saying to an extent um to so an you'd extent. be a better teacher than Eugene uh because he's old and you're young no I don't think it's about being better say but it. You're, you're able to say it <laughs> I'll say um working with students that are like you're I'm maybe six seven years older maybe 10 years older than my students 
Um, so I get some of their slang or I'm able to make little jokes based off of a TikTok that we've all seen. Hmm. Um, so, I mean, it's a way that I can relate to them without it being something that's a little too unprofessional, I would say. Sure. Yeah, you draw that line too. Yeah, you know that line of the professionalism and, and but yet building a relationship. That that's key. Right. Steve, I think she's being very modest. <laughs> she's really a good teacher from the instruction to the classroom environment to the layout, the physical layout of the classroom to to um to expectations to challenging the highest of the high flyers, to challenging someone who hates math or have had bad experiences in math somewhere along, across the, their, their path in school. So like she's really being very, very modest. So I'm gonna try to ask the same question in a different way. <laughs> so there's one thing to say, hey, you know what I'm gonna teach. Yeah. I think I might be good at it. Uh-huh. Is it strange? Now, I'm not necessarily talking about people we work at. I'm just talking teachers in general. Mm -hmm. Is it strange? Because you're trying to say because of youth to a degree, you have an advantage. So I'm going to use that youth against you. Mm -hmm. Is it strange <laughs> to hear about teachers in Milwaukee, across America, mm -hmm your age who trained in education that struggle to pull off what you pull off. And I'm, I'm, and I'm, I'm going somewhere with that before you answer. Mm -hmm. When I was a new teacher and Steve, I'm sure you were the same way. We were probably just like you just demolishing everything. Right. In a good way. Mm -hmm. Thanks. But I always felt something in my heart like, wait a minute, you didn't train four years and you can't do these things? And I'm just here year one, month two or three? Like, I, it always felt weird to me. It, I don't want to say survivor's remorse. I don't know what the wording is. But I'm like, well, wait a minute, you're trained in this. I'm getting there. Yeah. Like, does it, like, is it, and Steve, I'm gonna ask you that question after she answered it. Like, did does is that strange to you? It is. Um, I mean, you know, for for anybody that is listening that has went to school for education, and you're like, no, the book says this, or you know, we're supposed to do it this way. Sometimes when you do it by the book, you don't really get the full experience of really understanding your students or really, you know, kind of taking the curriculum and making it work for you. Um, because I, I know that I've talked to different teachers in many different areas and they're like, well, you know, the book says that we should be here by this day, or, you know, we should be doing all of these tasks or what and whatnot. And um, it reflects in their students because their students are like, man, we're just going, we're just going, we're just going. Whereas, in my case, I'll say, in my case, I'll take a task, for example. One thing that I did, I took one of our lessons 
and I ordered some cards off of Amazon. Um, we were learning how to solve two-step algebra equations. So you have to solve for Y or you have to solve for X. And there's this game on Amazon called Math Stacks. So I split my room into two and I had them kind of facing each other, almost like mathletes. So this side of the room versus this side of the room. Um, and it was a way where we were still able to go through the same lesson, but you were able to be competitive about it. You were able to have fun with it. You were able to um, kind of designate your team leader and kind of just dish it out. But somebody that maybe is going by the book wouldn't have did that. Or they would have been like, that's not in my training. That's not something that I was trained to do. Um, and I'm still, I feel like the best training is just doing it. I'll be honest. Every day is something different. Every week I try to implement something different, especially those first couple of weeks of me being in school. I was like, okay, I have to find a way to do this. You know what? Next week we're going to start with X, Y, Z. And then now my students are in a routine where they come in and it, let's say, for example, I don't have a do now today. They're like, Miss Hall, we don't have a do now. Should I grab a calculator today? Should I grab my book? You know? So it's all a process, I guess. Everybody processes differently. Steve, did it bother you? I was trained in education, but I, I rebelled every year in school and out. So I uh That's right. You were an ed major. Okay. Yeah. So I I, I think I more questioned it from day one. My parents uh, my dad wasn't a factory worker. Mom stayed home. So I, I didn't have a good reference point. So I rebelled against probably the traditional education. And I wouldn't have had good teach. I didn't value, I didn't value the teacher. I didn't like the teachers I had. Um, so my college journey was going there to follow friends and, and, uh, and, and then I stayed in education. Loved it. I just, I always felt a little more rebellious probably in the process yeah. I so, like fun in it. Yeah. So I always I thought it'd make me a good teacher because I, I went opposite of what my teachers were like. Mm -hmm. So and then I felt that that was a good gauge for me. So really it, it all this makes me think then if we if we take if we recruit, I feel like we have to get the middle school students. I feel we have to go that young. I feel we have to find the Amaris in middle school, the ones that are smart leaders. Uh, lifelong learners have joy uh, and, and start talking about being a teacher in the middle school time and saying, okay, um, we want you in education. We think you'd be brilliant in this. We think you'd make a transform students' lives. Come along and, and, uh, and, and, and help us with that. I think that works. It could. It could. Um, it's really just all about how it's presented and like how they're able to take advantage of it. Um, I mean, I think it starts in the classroom. Hey, you know what? I want little Johnny to solve this equation for us and walk us through it. How do we do it? I've been trying to challenge my students to do that, I'll be honest. But that's a whole nother conversation. 
So th this works. We can build up high-performing classrooms all across the country. We can find the Amaris. The key question would be is, this is this is what happens. How do we keep Amari who goes, I, I love the challenge. I'm a leader. I got all these other interests as well. How do, how do we keep Amari in education? So what's going to challenge you for the next five to 10 years that you go, I'm going to stay in the field of education? I've already decided that I'm staying in the field of education um, because it's really about leaving an impact for me. Mm. Um, I know that I can do that in a classroom, absolutely, but there's so much room for growth in the education field. Um, I don't aspire to be a teacher for 20 plus years, but I do aspire to be in education for quite some time. Um, you know, maybe I'll be a dean of students at some point. Or maybe I'll be the lead math coach, <laughs> um, something like that. I, you know, I want to continue to work myself up. I don't want to run to that. You know, I definitely want it to come when it's when it's time. But as long as there's always a place for growth, then I feel like education is it's a no-brainer. It starts with like a college program, just like the boys and girls club you're you're the mentor and then eventually you're the director and then now you're a teacher and then now you know so it, your I, motivation wouldn't be i i have to keep going on and doing something outside of education but you're looking at the impact you're going to have with students in various roles transforming their lives inside of education absolutely I want to be that one teacher that I have that I'm like, man, I remember you. I remember what you did for me. Or I remember going to your class and I remember this one book. I just got um, Their Eyes Were Watching God by Zora Neale Hurston. And I uh, messaged my English teacher <laughs> on on Facebook and I was like, do you remember this book? Like, we read this book. <laughs> I finally got my hands on it. And she's like, wow. So I started it again. It's a good book. Yeah, that's inspiring. That really is. And Eugene's so, getting old, so he'll need to be replaced soon. So there'll be there'll be positions. <laughs> there'll be positions. Oh boy. Um. So speaking of that, for the rest of you, for the rest of your career, you in you are in education. Mm -hmm. You start going up the ladder, mm -hmm. and then you get older and you retire. Yes. What would be the highest, if you had your way, what would be the highest position on the ladder? When um, it's all said and done in the education. The superintendent of Milwaukee Public Schools, or I don't know if it's going to be Milwaukee Public Schools, but probably, but the superintendent. Nice. Nice. I'll say that. Is that and it could be it could be climbing a ladder of being the best teacher possible at the school you're at too. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It. so but but you definitely, if I heard you correctly, because there are some people like there there are some people that I think will be great principals, assistant principals, but their love for teaching is so strong that they don't or won't consider it because they're they're in their zone. And God bless them, right? W would you ever say, I'm just going to teach? No. Okay. Sorry. 
That was too fast, but no. <laughs> that was <laughs> that was very fast. <laughs> um interesting. Interesting. And I don't it, think only teach. I think just you know Yeah, yeah, I don't mean it that way, yeah, but like correct. You know, you You're know saying how, limit the teaching or expanding yeah. out your leadership capacity. You, you know how Miss O'Chanagor, like you know Miss O'Chanagor, Steve, like she would be a great principal. But she's also sure. a genius at what she does. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, so if she stays in that pocket, she's going to always win. And so, I'm a big believer in we need to place a bigger premium on teachers in the classroom because that otherwise becomes the issue we have in education. I you agree. feel like you have to be assistant principal, principal, dean of students. But what if we gave that teacher that's in that classroom impacting children each day with algebra one, algebra two, we paid them more than the assistant principal than the dean of students. That's what I want to see. I want yeah. a teacher in the city for 10, 20 years teaching students algebra one. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we talked about all your greatness. I <laughs> want you to tell us without giving names of either the student or the adults. Mm -hmm. What's your biggest blooper? Like the one you say, oh, no, no, no. I can never do that one again. My biggest blooper so far in education? Yep. Um, I don't look, man. The days have just been going. I need to sit back and reflect on um. What have I done? Okay, so let me let me ask you differently. Maybe it's not a blooper, but what's one thing as a new teacher you had in your head and it just don't work in real life that you like, oh yeah, I cannot revisit that. Um, like for me, it was my um, it was my classroom management. What I had in my head wasn't necessarily what I walked into as a new teacher. I remember I remember the young lady. They had bets on how long I was going to last. Oh, two weeks. Oh, and so being new and being competitive, I'm gonna make it to three weeks. <laughs> that was your goal. You didn't say the year. You just stopped at three weeks. Three weeks. If I did three weeks, <laughs> I've exceeded expectations here. <laughs> um, I would say for me, I would say one like grading. I didn't know grading was as hard as it is. Um, it's hard to find something to grade. I thought that grading was just like, oh, yeah, like assign homework. And then I'm like, oh, but I have to grade this homework. That is like a task in itself. I don't know why I didn't think about that when I first okay, so, started. So, so hold tight. I'm cutting you off for a reason. Yeah. So this is important for, for people that are going to go into the teaching field. <laughs> and this is important for new teachers. Um, so what is your process for grading? Like, do you grade like every other day? Do you grade on the weekends? Because the one mistake I know most new teachers make is they procrastinate and they get these stacks of things they have to grade and then they, it becomes anxiety and, um, and they end up just melting away. Like, so what is your process? Uh, my process is really if i give an assignment to my first hour my second hour is going to get an assignment my third hour is going to get an assignment and my fourth hour is going to get an assignment let's say that's on monday 
by Tuesday evening, my fifth hour prep, everything should be graded. <laughs> um, and the only reason why I say that is because if I hold on to it any longer, it's just going to get further down in the bag. And then I'm going to end up with those stacks. And when I first started out, that was definitely the case. I almost had like a little suitcase that I was carrying around with stuff in it. <laughs> um, so with grading, I don't I don't really assign too many hard assignments or too many like homework assignments. Um, most of my grading is like the do now or the exit ticket and then like the test. And let's say I give them like a, a piece of homework for extra credit, something like that. Um, where it's not 20 plus questions that they're doing, maybe it's only three, four questions. So something that's short and simple, but yet I'm still testing your knowledge. But I have to grade every like every other day. Cause otherwise we'll have those emails coming like, hey, update your grade book. And I'm like, I don't <laughs> I don't know where to start. So, All right, so we're, we're winding down. I think Steve may have a, a question. I may have one more. So go ahead, Steve. Yeah, I was just going to let us let our listeners know we're talking to Mari Hall. We're talking to a, a new teacher, talking to someone who came into the school year and is getting great results coming into school year. Um, as the school year started, getting great results, and we're learning from her and growing from her her experiences. My last question is as we as we talk about we're we're talking about student mental health a lot today in our in our country and we're talking about teachers their mental health. What what do you do? How are you balancing or how are you taking care of yourself? What are you, what are you doing personally for that? Um I'll be honest with you. This is something that I struggled with um especially that first month I was just going, 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 going. And then, of course, like they showed in our PD before, like you hit that point where it's like, okay, what are we doing right now? Because I am exhausted. Um, I love yoga and I haven't been <laughs> since I started working, but um, I did just work out my schedule. So I'm going to get back into yoga. But outside of that, though, um, when I'm done for the day, I'm done. Um, I don't check my emails. Um, I really try to kind of unplug from everything. And then I've just been getting back into reading um, and reading just for my leisure, not reading like an assignment or, you know, reading a paper or anything. I really just try to kind of line down and talk to my parents or talk to my family. Family is really important to me. And that's kind of what keeps me going. Um so mental health, my dad, my dad to tell you, my dad told me um, multiple times. And I mean, like seeing him work in education for so long and seeing kind of just how he kept going, kept going, kept going. And, you know, you get to those points of burnout and then you recharge and then you're going again. He was just, he told me just like, listen, don't be like me. He said, mm -hmm. <laughs> he said, take time for you. Um and if that means taking a day off, then take a day off. Or if that means, you know, hey, I have to leave at this point in the day, then you have to leave at this point in the day. Because if you don't take care of your mental health, you're going to show up 
in a in a way where your kids can tell there's something wrong yeah. right your kids can tell like are you okay miss hall or you know i've gotten asked that a couple of times and the only thing that i can say is i'm just tired that's it i'm just tired need to need to go to sleep need to recharge but um when you show up in spaces like that sometimes it kind of hurts the kids feelings and it's not their fault. It's just you're going so hard for them behind closed doors that you don't have a balance. So, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank I think you. my final question would be, and, and to not duplicate what you just said, but what advice would you give someone that's in your shoes? Potentially thinking about changing occupation fields. Teacher thing is out there. I heard they had heard there's a lot of I, we listened to the podcast. I heard there's a lot of openings all across the country. Maybe I'll go into teaching. Like, what advice would you give someone starting after the school year has already started? Starting after the school year has already started, you have to come in and set the tone for your classroom. You have to set your expectations up front and you have to stand on them. Um, you know, you'll get to a position where or you'll meet people where they give out rules and then they'll make an exception for today or they'll make an exception for this student or they go back on their rules. When you're starting out, especially after they've already started, after they've already kind of made their friend group circles and, you know, their norms, you have to come in and you have to say, well, when you're in this room, it's going to run like this. And then eventually your students are going to be on the same tip. Your, your students are going to be like, hey, you know, she doesn't even play like that. Or, you know, that you're supposed to be bringing your folder, for example. Um but I would say starting out, set the tone, stick to it, and eat. And eat. You talking about eat during the day or eat at home? Or like, what you mean by eat? When you have a break, oh. <laughs> when you have a break, when you have your prep, whatever it is, eat. Because um, remember, Mr. P, I told you, I was like, I'm kind of irritated today. And you're like, why? And I was like, I didn't eat. <laughs> Yeah. So um, when you don't take care of your body and you don't take care of, you know, your stomach or maybe you didn't have your coffee today, whatever it is, you, you really show up in a different way. And it's maybe not your intent, but eat. Just go eat. Take a break. You'll be all right. Come back. You'll be recharged. That's what I'll say. I have done the opposite of you for most of my career. <laughs> no coffee. And I would usually eat, not not at the university, Steve, but like K-12. Sure, sure. I wouldn't eat till I came back home. Mm -mm. And I probably realized the irritation and just, or lack of energy or just unhealthy practices on your own body that 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 has probably taken its toll over time. Yeah. And yeah. I never was hungry in the morning and then I get to around lunchtime and I wouldn't have anything packed. So I, in the school I was at, the only close thing would be a gas station. 
So yeah. it's always chips and a soda for lunch. Yeah. And then and then what does that do, right? And then that cycle of <laughs> of eating that over and over. Yeah, that's a good good advice. Very good oh, advice. Real good advice. Steve. Okay. Steve, what you want to shout out this week? Yeah, let's talk. Um, we're, we're, this is this is fitting. I have a couple things. Well, let, actually, uh, I'll talk about the uh, teacher awards next show, which there's an opportunity of teacher awards are coming uh, once we turn the calendar. But the end of the school year here, we have the opportunity for student awards. So we have teachers should be going to the Center for Urban Education Ministries. So www. CUEMnational.org, and there'll be an opportunity to give away what we call Litman Learner Awards. So there are student awards, um, $200 for students based on behavior and academics. So we'll be giving several of those awards away uh, before the end of the year here. So teachers should go to the website and figure out how to uh, have some of their students get some of those awards. So that's pretty exciting. Nice. Um, usually my shout outs are somewhere in the field of education, but I'm going outside of the field of education today. Shout out to my daughter. Today is her birthday. Um, we had a great time hanging out and uh, she's just an amazing daughter. We're full of full of spirit, full of life and um, really proud of the young lady that she is. So that's my shout out for today. Um, my daughter on her birthday. All right, Miss Hall, your shout out. Uh, I want to give a shout out to my big sister. Um, but also, if you all are interested in sunglasses and you like some nice frames on your face, like I do, shop framed eyewear, <laughs> um, you can follow her on Instagram at framed eyewear underscore and turn on the post notifications. New stock coming soon. Now, would would Steve look good in those glasses? Yeah, what? Absolutely. Absolutely. I have some male frames too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so can you um can you send me uh a link or something for the guy glasses? Yes. I and I'm would. gonna make I'm gonna make sure that that Steve and I get a pair. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Good time of the year. Start thinking, thinking gifts here. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. a good point. That's a good Thanksgiving. point. Be thankful for sunglasses. <laughs> Anything else, Miss Hall? Like the floor is yours. Nothing else. I appreciate you all having me on the podcast. This was actually really fun. I would like to do it again at some point. So yeah, fantastic. You're inspiring. You inspired me. It's exciting what you're doing and every day making an impact with students is uh, good for everyone to hear about. Very important. So thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so much. All right. So we thank you for, for being on here. Um, we'll have another podcast edition dropping very soon. So same time, same place. You can always find our shows on Apple, Spotify, Podbean, Superhero Educator, podcast make sure you tell your family friends neighbors and other educators and if you know someone that we should be interviewing send us an email and we'll, we'll get them on the show because we love to hear like it's it's cool from when me and steve talk to each other and then record it but it's also real cool when we have special guests 
uh, because it brings out elements that go far beyond us. So, um, so if you, to the listeners out there, if you have someone you want us to, to interview, uh, we are, we are always ready, but for the purpose of this show, it's done. It was a good one. And we out. See ya. Thanks again for listening to our superhero education podcast. We hope you gained valuable insights and key concepts to battle the chaos and save the day for all students. Boldly transform lives and be a superhero educator. 